church. How y'all doing today? It's all right? Okay, about two people doing okay. That's all right. <clears throat> well, um, I am Pastor Nicole Bullock. I am your new interim transitional pastor. I know you've heard that a lot. Some of you have over the past couple of weeks, but wanted to reintroduce myself again and probably will for the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a little stubborn cough that uh, you'll probably hear throughout this message <coughs> that just won't go away. But uh, y'all pray for me while I preach. Is that all right? <coughs> okay, I think I got it that time. Um, and so, uh, uh, so you'll see me, my family and I just relocated from the Twin Cities. Anybody uh, familiar with the Twin Cities? Got family, friends there? Okay, I like it, about five people, I love it, uh, so that's exciting, but uh, my family and I just moved here, and uh, we have been enjoying it. We came last uh, Sunday, and uh, we went to the picnic, and the picnic was so fun, but we were not ready, praise God. Uh, we didn't know to bring our own lawn chairs and whatnot, uh, but next time, somebody say next time. Oh, okay, look, y'all got it. Uh, we will be bringing our thing. So I'm so excited, excited to be here with you all, excited to be in this community. And so I'm excited again to start this new sermon series. And like I just shared, we're from the Twin Cities. And this past week, I, uh, we had to travel back home to do some things with the closing of our house. Uh, we sold our house, uh, uh, thank God. Uh, so that worked out for us. But while we were there, uh, I was doing some driving around, just finishing up some errands, and I found myself going down the street because we don't live very far from this uh, street. Uh, the street where Dante Wright, if anybody is familiar with that story, where Dante Wright was uh, shot and killed by a police officer. So we were driving down that street, and um, I just started to think about um, that, that particular incident, but also George Floyd and the things that have happened in our city. And I just started to think about um, all the senseless tragedies. And I began to just kind of wonder, God, um, why? You know, have you ever had that moment where you've wondered, God, why? And so for a moment, I did. And I remember um, this series that we were in uh, coming up, and I'm so grateful for it because I believe that God is going to speak to us uh, through it, and he'll show us uh, what it looks like to remain faithful under pressure. And so um, I want you to go with me if you have your Bibles or whatever your device is, and I want you to go with me to the book of Esther, chapter 3, and the way I usually start a sermon is I read the text, I pray, and then we get into it. So Esther chapter 3, and I'm going to start at verse 1. And you'll hear me read a lot of scripture today from this book. And it says this, Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamathada, 
the Agai, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. All of the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by, for the king had commanded. But Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Then the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why are you disobeying the king's command? They spoke to him day after day, but he still refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct, since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all of the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a good father and you love to give good gifts. We thank you for the gift of this day, God. You are just so faithful. This is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just come in during this message and have your way in our hearts. Would you speak to us, challenge us, draw us deeper into relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we all say together... Amen. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about what it means to remain faithful under pressure. Um, The question is, what happens when you do all the right things, you follow all the right rules, and the worst still happens? You do what you're supposed to do, but somehow you still don't come out Uh, on top or successful. As a matter of fact, the system has set you up for failure. In our text, we're told about a man named Haman. And Haman, who will soon become identified in this story as the enemy of the Jews, nevertheless, even though he's the enemy of the Jews, we see in our text today that Haman gets elevated to what seems to be second in command to the king himself. And because of this promotion, the king, for whatever reason, the king commands that everybody pay homage to him. Everybody needs to bow down. Everybody needs to show respect every time Haman comes, and everybody obeys this command, except Mordecai. And so you would think to yourself, well, what's going on? And actually, people in the text ask, Mordecai, why aren't you bowing, right? And you know, you know, they're kind of looking at him like, you want to be starting something. Y'all know that Michael Jackson song, you want to be starting? Okay. You know, I got to throw in a pop culture reference every sermon, you'll learn me. But, and so you're thinking, Haman, uh, I mean, Mordecai, what's going on? But our text today appears to be reminiscent of what we see in the book of Daniel. 
when Daniel refuses to follow a decree that betrays his devotion to God. And while it, is it isn't entirely made clear why Mordecai does not bow down, we can draw a conclusion uh, here. We can draw a conclusion that he wouldn't bow down to the destructive powers that be. In other words, he wouldn't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. In other words, you know, we could more or less say he was woke. He, he understood what was really happening. He understood the assignment, therefore he did not bow. He had given himself over unequivocally to honoring his God, his faith, and his heritage. But Haman, this didn't sit well with him. And how many of you know that systematic oppression often begins in pride? Or at least it does in our text today. Haman, because of his belief that he is more worthy, more important than Mordecai or Mordecai's belief, he sets up a system Hear this, he sets up a system to oppress someone based on their race. Y'all say, where is, where is it at in the text? Verse four. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. And then verse six says, he learned of Mordecai's nationality and decided what? I'm taking every Jew out based on that. And then the plot thickens. He goes to King Xerxes, Haman does, and he says, King Xerxes, there's a whole people whose speech, whose ways and customs are different. I mean, their laws and their cultural nuances are incompatible with our own. Are you going to tolerate that? Are you comfortable with that? Does Haman sound like any systems we're familiar with? Systems that oppose and oppress those in the margins, the voiceless and the disenfranchised, right? Systems steeped in misogyny, racism, and discrimination. Systems swayed by ignorance, corruption, and that's just, I could just keep going, couldn't I? Systems steeped in what we know to be white supremacy. Oh, I'm not going to get an amen this morning, but that's all right. Mordecai is more or less saying, I won't bow <coughs> to this system. I won't be dominated by this system. And how many of you know that whenever you begin to dismantle corrupt systems, all hell breaks loose? Somebody like, did she just say hell? It's in the Bible, that word. Opposition comes out in full force. Esther chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 it says, on April 17th, the king's secretaries were summoned, and a decree was written exactly as Haman dictated. 
It was sent to the king's highest officers, the governors of the respective provinces, the nobles of each province in their own scripts and languages. The decree was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empires, giving the order that all the Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who had killed who had killed them. How did we get here? <laughs> Full-blown genocide over what? Not bowing? How did we arrive to this place? And, and right here is where you might get tempted, right, to start skipping chapters to get to the end of the story because we know what happens, right? Most of us do anyway. But no, I want us to just sit right here for a moment. Sit in the tension and the discomfort of what is happening in our text today because all too often we rush to the end of the story. But it's not about getting to it, it's about going through it. I asked the question earlier and will ask it again, how does one stay faithful? under pressure. Ah, because this is pressure right here that Haman is applying. This is pressure. How do you keep serving God? How do you keep standing and not bowing in the face of mass genocide of what Scripture says everyone, men, women, young and old children, will be wiped out in a day, annihilated? In a day, but Mordecai stays ten toes down. Huh? He decides he's still going to speak truth to power, and he does it in the darkest of the darkest of the darkest hour. And at a time when it seems like, yeah, God, at a time when it seems like God should be showing up, a decree of annihilation is announced. On the first day of Passover, no less. A holiday where they should be celebrating the delivering power of God. But instead, they're getting a word about being annihilated. <clears throat> Can I tell you what our text teaches us today? Yeah. It teaches us this, that just before breakthrough, it gets the darkest in our lives. Just before breakthrough, you may question your God. Just before breakthrough, you may start to reconsider your allegiance to the God whom you serve. Just before breakthrough, you might think of running away and giving up. Just before breakthrough, you might think about going astray. Just before breakthrough, you might want to throw in the towel. Somebody ought to say just before breakthrough. I'm a black preacher fully, so y'all got to talk back to me on this morning. 
Yes, I know y'all say, we got to get used to you, Pastor Nicole. But just before breakthrough, thank you, husband. <laughs> and he white, too. Thank you, husband. Listen, I know it seems like all the odds are against you. Uh, but God's got you. I know you're confused, but hold on. I know it feels like folks and systems are conspiring against your well-being, but I bind up a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. I know it's a lot going on in our world today, but I dare you to claim a sound mind. I dare you to claim peace in the midst of confusion, because if Mordecai can do it, God's not going to show us a story and a person and a character who succeeded and we couldn't. Mordecai didn't run from it, he sat in it. As a matter of fact, not only did he sit in it, can I tell you all what he did? Really to just make folks uncomfortable. What he began to do is he proceeded to, to mourn publicly, to mourn visibly, and publicly. Can you imagine that when we saw all of the injustices in our world and we showed up to the building to worship, that we didn't sing songs of praise, we did not offer prayers or anything, but we just begin to mourn visibly, publicly. He, he mourned to the extent that people were uncomfortable. But he felt that thing in his spirit. He mourned because he could feel that God was not in this decree. He mourned because he knew that God wanted to still give justice. And you know what? People wanted him to be quiet, take off the sackcloth and ashes. Move on. The situation is over. You don't have to keep bringing up Dante Wright. You don't have to keep bringing up George Floyd or Tamir Wright. You don't have to keep bringing these things up. But you know what? Mordecai said, I will not be silenced. Y'all, can I just be honest? Uh, when I think about that, I think about, you know, I have kiddos, and when the movie Aladdin came out uh, with Will Smith, this is before he smacked Chris Rock, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but in the movie, the princess, Jasmine is told towards the end, they tell her, they say, be quiet and stay in your place, and then she sings a song. And she says, the words of the song go, you can't keep me quiet. I won't tremble when you try it. All I know is that I won't go speechless. Now, I won't sing it because I am not Carlton, and I do not want you all to uh, be offended and not return next week. 
Uh, last week was special, but I won't sing today. Uh, but she goes, you can't keep me quiet and I won't tremble even when you try it. That's what it means to be faithful under pressure, that even when they try to silence you, I won't tremble when you try it. All I know is that I won't go speechless. Some of us are hiding our pain. Our pain is preying on us, P-R-E-Y, instead of us praying on it, P-R-A-Y. We're not moving in a place where we are still standing, but God is inviting us to visibly, publicly sit in a space of tension of mourning, where we acknowledge the pain while also saying, God, I know that you are able to deliver. God, I know that you will come through. God, I know that I need you. God, I acknowledge that I cannot do this on my own. Listen, it's okay to say that and to name that we are in anxious times as a world, as a community, as a church, times are anxious. We, we can name that. That's the truth. That's, that's, that's something that's happening. And here's what you have to know in that truth. is to not be afraid, but to know that God sees us. He is concerned about each and every one of us. He is watching over us. He is leveling the playing field for us. He is making a way out of no way for us. He's picking us up. He's turning us around. He's placing our feet on solid ground. He is a God that will show up. He is a God that will show up. He is a God that will show up. God is mighty to save, and we see that through Mordecai's unwavering commitment to stand firm in the midst of what is happening. He knows that God is going to show up. God is not weak. He is strong. His strength uh, not only is present, but it empowers us to do the thing that seems impossible in the moment. His strength makes us strong. It makes us stand and not bow. It makes us be in a place where we refuse to assimilate and tolerate destructive legislations and practices meant to harm our brothers and sisters, tearing us away from purpose, tearing us away from promise. Listen, God still invites us to stand firm on his promises. And we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it alone. Just take a quick glance around you, really quick. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. You don't have to do it alone. 
You don't have to do it alone. Deuteronomy 32 and 30, and I'm paraphrasing, says, how could one person chase off a thousand or two, ten th or two put 10,000 to flight unless the rock, yeah, had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up. After seeing something like that, the scripture said, seeing their enemies concede, listen, they said after they saw the enemies concede, they said their rock is not like our rock. Our rock is firm. Our rock stands strong. Our rock gives us the power we need to fight so we can remain faithful under pressure because our rock is not like their rock. God is holding us in the palm of his hand, giving us the strength to be faithful, determined, and focused under pressure. And while it may look like we're surrounded by the enemy, we're really surrounded by our God. We're surrounded by an army of angels. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. We serve a God who is more than able, more than able. And while I want to hurry and give you the conclusion to what happens, I want us to sit here this first week to study Mordecai, to look at Mordecai, see his mourning, see where he is, but yet he remains faithful. How many of us need the strength to remain faithful under pressure? How many of us desire a heart and a spirit like Mordecai? To say, I will continue to stand and not bow. If that's you this morning, whether you're watching online, you kind of found this message later on, or you're in the space, and you go, hey, I acknowledge that I am in a space where things are anxious and uncertain. Whether you think about things that are going on in our world, policies, politics, you think about your own life, family, friends, you think about personally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is. And you go, God, you know what? This message was for me in this moment because I know that you're inviting me to remain faithful under pressure. I just want you to pray with me. I want you to bow your head if you like, or whatever posture you want to assume as we go before the throne of God to seek his grace, to seek God's help, to seek God's hand. So whatever that posture is for you in this moment, Go ahead and take that on, and let's, let's pray. God, we thank you that there is no God like you. Their rock is not like our rock. 
We thank you, God, that just when we think that maybe it's over, that in the darkest of the darkest moments, you're waiting to demonstrate your power, to demonstrate your grace, your love, and your mercy. So God, I ask, would you empower each of us this morning, this day, to remain faithful under pressure, <laughs> to seek you in the most difficult moments and spaces, not to run away from the tension, but even to sit in it, to mourn. You say, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So God, we thank you in advance for bringing us this truth today. A truth, God, that will give us greater freedom to worship you, to praise you, to rely on you, and for that we are grateful today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I pray, would you bless every heart, every hearer that is open, God, to your spirit, to minister to them, to remain faithful under pressure. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.